Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. The life of a kicker, I mean, talk about stress. They should all be bald by just, like, you're either the hero or you're the zero when it comes to football. What a time to be alive, and what a time for NFL playoffs, baby. Yeah, Listen, it was great. I was turned up this weekend. Um, <laughs> we had, I would say, one of the greatest rounds of playoff football we've ever had to date. For the first time since 2009, neither Tom Brady nor Aaron Rodgers will be in a conference championship game after the Packers and the Bucks. Both lost this week and his time expired. And just to put that in perspective, I graduated UConn in 2009. So that is like wild to me. That's wild. That's wild. Patrick Mahomes sent home the Bills. And man, I'm going to tell you right now, the Bills have one of the craziest fan bases. So I know that the places were turned up, but it was an <laughs> overtime game. Pass to Travis Kelsey. Joe Burrow remains cool Joe. Joe cool, whatever you want to call it. The Bengals knocked off the Titans on the road. I'm not really sure where to start, Jason, because even as I was saying that, I was getting turned up. But what stuck out to you this weekend? I mean, Bill's Chiefs was, that's the greatest football game I've ever seen. Gotta be. And I, that's the greatest quarterback duel I think anyone's ever seen. You know, and it was, and my girlfriend's not a fan of the sport. And she was like screaming watching that. <laughs> you know, it was it was truly, truly like, the highest level quarterbacking I think I've I've ever seen. First of all, Mahomes is his arm angles, the way he throws that yeah. little side, side arm throw where he's man. The, you know, like that it, it looks like it shouldn't work and yet it does. It's truly amazing. And man, Allen, he's like a tank with a dancer's feet because he is so big and strong with this unbelievable footwork to navigate in yeah. tight spaces in the pocket. And showed you that he is, I mean, he's arrived. I was heartbroken for him. The immediate thing I thought of was like, this is like the 1990s when the Bulls were dominant. Like, I would hate to be in the AFC and not have a quarterback that I'm like, yeah, they can go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen, with Patrick Mahomes. Because now, I mean, like the Chiefs now, this is going to be their fourth uh, AFC championship game. It's ridiculous. The road goes through them. Uh, pretty crazy considering like what a shaky start they had. I was too. just going to say that. And it, and they locked down their defense. They locked it down, uh, righted the ship, and showed everybody that they're still that team. And it just was. You find yourself just the fact that we're looking at the difference in winning in that game and saying, okay, well, one maybe we should change the rules. <laughs> like, like, you know, that was, I think a lot of people's instant reaction was, Oh man, the overtime rules. Yeah, it's too bad that Buffalo more. doesn't have a chance to strike back because that was legitimately whoever had the ball last was going to win that game. And then my mind actually can't process that the chiefs had 13 seconds <laughs> to get into field goal range and did it. You know, the, the bills, that's a, that's the number one defense. Like you can't keep them, out of there for 13 seconds that was the number of amazing plays that happened was truly 
mind-boggling. This felt like a passing of the torch game. I Do you feel like that to you? I agree. And just to put it in perspective, when you talk about Mahomes and Allen, um, both QBs had 300 passing yards. Both QBs completed 70% of their passes. Both QBs had a 60-yard touchdown. Both QBs led their team in rushing. Both QBs their team in rushing. had zero <laughs> turnovers. So imagine... Like, if you're Patrick Mahomes, I know you're feeling great, but imagine being Josh Allen playing one of the greatest games of everything. your life and did everything, did everything but scored too fast. And I thought the same thing happened with, with when you think about a Tom Brady. I'm like, oh, man, they gave him two minutes and 25 seconds to score. I think that's enough time. No. It was too yeah, much yeah. time. He scored in enough. This is the same thing that happened in, like, I didn't think the second game could get any better than the first game. And boy, no, 100% were, agree. It was crazy. It was like, these walk-off field goals and the life of a kicker. I mean, talk about stress. They should all be balled by just like, you're either the hero or you're the zero when it comes to football. But to that point, I'm like, I get, you know, the overtime thing, but I'm always the one, like if the rules are the rules, whatever, whatever. But that one was tough to watch Josh Allen do what he did. And you could just see that all of them, you you, you could just see that the Bills thought they had it and they should have. And then they when you saw Patrick Mahomes, he was like, calm. I want people to go back if you haven't seen it. I watched it live in the game and kind of the same to you. Serena's not a football fan either, but she was right beside me, like locked in because this game was different. But Patrick Mahomes was so calm and they asked him after the game and he said that Andy Reid told him, when things look grim, be the grim reaper. And I thought that that was the coldest line ever because 13 seconds, it looks a little dim and grim and dark and scary. So listen, they just basically told him, be the boogeyman. And he really did it. Patrick Mahomes became a legend because there's not many things that I can do in 13 seconds. And he just walked down the field and got an easy field goal. One of my friends is a huge Chiefs fan, huge. So I was texting him and his, uh, him and his, my other friend who's his wife uh, on a group chat, just being like, like, how, how's he doing? How's Will right now? <laughs> this is when, and this is like, you know, like the plot had twisted two times already. So she was like, well, he was screaming, but now he's like, uh, like punching stuff. And he's, <laughs> and then at a certain point she was like, guess I'm trapped in the bedroom now because I went into the bedroom and then they started coming back. So now because of superstition, <laughs> to stay in there so they can come all the way back. Lord have worked. mercy. It worked. Okay, Jason. Woo! Um, so <laughs> we came across a story over the weekend, and honestly, it was so wild that I thought it was it's fake really personally. But apparently, <laughs> apparently, you told It is Jack, kind of fake. Is, is it? I mean, there it's yes. Uh, so, because apparently Utah Jazz legend, point guard mm-hmm. legend at that, so that to me is like, oh, apparently John Stockton had his Gonzaga season tickets revoked for his failure to comply with the school's mass mandate. Now Stockton has made news recently for his stance on the pandemic. There's a lot going on, Jason. How far off the rails is Stockton here? How surprised are you by this story? Is there any truth to anything that's happening right now with this story? It is pretty wild, first of all. So he said, among many other things, in an interview with the Spokesman Review, quote, I think it's highly recorded now. There's 150, I believe now. It's over 100 professional athletes dead, professional athletes, the prime of their life, dropping dead that are vaccinated right on the pitch, right on the field, right on the court. So uh, 
and Stockton makes it clear, as do some of these articles from where it appears this kind of uh, conspiracy theory comes from, that uh, what people are saying is this is the vaccine doing this. The vaccine is causing some kind of inflammation on the heart and it's and it's caused 150 plus athletes to drop dead uh, on the field on the pitch. This is there's a million reasons why it's wrong. First of all, there's a there's an article by the AP. First of all, players, athletes do often. And there's stories that uh, pop up into the kind of like larger consciousness all the time about players who who tragically pass away on the field because of various reasons, oftentimes cardiac reasons. Here's a here's a, a snippet from the AP. Quote, one analysis based on 2016 emergency medical services data estimated that there are more than 23,000 pediatric out-of-hospital cardiac arrest cases in the U.S. annually, 4,000 of which were caused by primarily cardiac issues. In other words, people have cardiac issues regularly, tens of thousands of them in the U.S. alone. Many of them are athletes, and that is the reason why many of them uh, who have issues on the field, on the court, wherever, have those issues. What's happening here is John Stockton is trying to draw uh, using spurious data from sources like that we were not even able to track down. Like we ran this down. It appears to come from a, w- one source is potentially a, a YouTube kind of like right wing influencer who, uh, you know, is very active in anti-vax spheres. That appears to be where it comes from. But there's actually no, literally no evidence. And like use your how covered are professional sports? Like, if it were the case that hundreds at this point, almost 200 professional athletes had died because of the vaccine, it'd be like, okay, so-and-so has been averaging this much uh, over the past week, uh, this much for rebounds, and also they're vaccinated or they're non-vaccinated because you never know, they could die. Like, that would co- that would be part of the formula for us talking about sports. It's absolutely not the case. It's not the case. And, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had a response to it on CNN where he said, I think statements like that make the public look upon athletes basically as dumb jocks for trying to explain away something that is obviously a pandemic. And then he went on to say, I think John's reactions to the vaccine is extreme and not based on reality or facts. And I'm so glad that the legend said it so that I can just quote the legend, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar talking about another legend, because it's really, to me, it's I like, I know that we keep saying this and with the athletes, but it's kind of dangerous what's happening about how people are trying to make theories about health concerns. Like if this was a theory about McDonald's or something else that was like, oh yeah, whatever, it would be whatever. But we're talking about a global pandemic and people coming up with ideas that aren't necessarily based on stats, facts, reality. And unfortunately, some of these people that come up with these ideas are ones that people look up to, ones that people yeah. respect, ones that people would actually believe. And that's the scariest part of it all to me. It's like there's there's so many there's so many things that wouldn't matter that you made up a story about. But this matters. And I mean, it's even like I remember when I don't know if everybody remembers the story about Nicki Minaj claimed that, you know, it makes it may make your like the (laughs) testicles swell. It was like, if that's not the truth, like what? That's dangerous. So I know that people are like, oh, okay, it's not the truth. So I didn't know. But these non-truths 
can actually be dangerous. That's the craziest part. Dr. Jonathan Dresner, director of the University of Washington Center for Sports Cardiology, um, has been quoted as saying, sudden cardiac arrest has been the leading cause of sudden death in athletes during sports and exercise well before the pandemic ever began. There's no evidence that the cases shown in the video were caused by a vaccine. Uh, in other words, this is something that has been happening. Just use your memory and think about how many times during spring training or high school football. Like, there's always a story that pops up about X player didn't drink enough water, something practicing in 118 degree heat and they pass away. And to that point, Jason, I'm an athlete. I've gotten uh, what is it called? The the heart test. I forget what it's called. Like the there's a certain name. EKG. Stress test. I've gotten the, the stress, stress test. test well before the pandemic was here. Every and when I tell you I get this, the stress test every time before every single season, pro athletes, college athletes have to take a stress test to test our heart, to make sure there's no irregularities, to make sure there's nothing wrong with your heart because that is such a concern with athletes. That's a concern with everyone because anyone could have a heart irregularity or a regular heartbeat, anything. But way before the pandemic got here, to your point, Jason, I've been taking a stress test. There is one of these uh, videos that we think is probably the source of where Stockton came up with these ideas, originated at uh, the right-wing website, Mic Drop Politics. PolitiFact uh, looked at that video um, and said the following, quote, the article appeared with the headline, German news agency tracks 75 prominent athletes suddenly dead of heart attacks after COVID vax. Um, it was flagged as misinformation. They go on to say the German story did not report that all the athletes had died, did not say they all had heart attacks, and included the disclaimer that not all the people included on the list became ill because of vaccination. Some of the athletes listed in the German news story are still alive, such as so not dead. Wow. And some were not vaccinated <laughs> against COVID-19, and some who died had a history of heart problems or a family history of death by heart attack. Yeah, this is just really... Again, this is really, really dangerous. And, you know, use, uh, just use your logic. If professional athletes, the mo some of the most covered, most news-making people in the entire world, they, you know, a, an athlete, like, goes to get ice cream and they write about it. <laughs> like, if they were dropping dead, it would be a huge story, Period. A huge story. Period. If they were dropping down because of the vax in ways that were above and beyond what is happening already due to people's pre-existing heart conditions, then... Do you think John Stockton would be the first one to tell you about it? It would be a problem. In the California Road Trip Republic, we believe you take adventure for a ride. Whether coastal cruising mountain motoring or redwood roaming discover beauty around every turn your california road trip can kick off from anywhere starting route but it should always start at visitcalifornia.com then buckle up crank those tunes and ride with us in the california road trip republic Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
Our next guest is senior writer at ESPN, whose conversations with Aaron Rodgers made waves all over the internet ahead of the loss this weekend to the 49ers. His name is Kevin Van Valkenburg, and he's here today to help us unpack everything, every corner of the Aaron Rodgers saga. Kevin, welcome to Take Line. Uh, hey, thanks, Ray. Really appreciate you guys having me. No problem. So, Kevin, you saw what we saw at Lambeau during Saturday's game. But before we get to all the Aaron Rodgers stuff, what was your takeaway from the atmosphere there? And what was A-Rod doing in general pop? I mean, Jen Pop, I saw all kinds of tweets, so I thought I would ask for Twitter. What was A-Rod doing in Jen Pop was the tweet. Yeah, is uh is Aaron is his girlfriend like a Packers uh season ticket holder or something? I was wondering like if if that was the reason why he had he was sitting outside instead of like I'm in the asking box or you, Kev. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying. I'm I'm speculating with y'all. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, awesome. I mean, the, the atmosphere at Lambo is always really cool. It's always great. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been there, but it is like the size of like Billings, Montana, like not far from where I grew up. It's like a you cannot believe that there's an NFL team in this city when you go there. Uh, but it is a really cool uh, place. I think it was just, you know, for whatever reason, like Rogers kind of looked like a little bit disinterested, right? This just kind of looked a little bit lost. It, it's, it hurts when Nick Bosa is coming to sort of slam you <laughs> into the cold turf. And <laughs> it can't feel he, good. He kept sort of looking for Devonte Adams to kind of bail him out. And, and that was, you know, the, the things kind of started to slowly slip away. I, I love, it's funny, like two years ago when the 49ers and Packers uh, played, uh, in San Francisco, Rogers, you know, they lost Kaepernick beat him. Rogers said after the game, well, we got to get one of these at, uh, at Lambeau. You know, it's, it makes a big difference when it's really cold, you know, the snow's coming down. Our fans are going crazy. Well, that, that happened this year and it didn't really make any difference that San Francisco still found a way to, to mess with them. So it's special teams and it shows you like as much as, uh, yeah. I, I followed the Packers like a lot this year because of this story. And every week the beat writers would be like, so, uh, Mike, Fur, what about special teams? Like, are you going to fix special teams? They're really bad. And I was like in the back, like rolling my eyes, being like, God, enough of this special teams talk. This is a... So, it's just more proof you should trust the beat yeah. writers because they bah, know what's bah, up. Bah. <laughs> Kevin, you had an exclusive interview with Aaron that dropped uh, the day before the game over the weekend, in which Rogers called into question the validity of the 2020 election, kind of obliquely, with a kind of with a I guess 81 million voted for that guy, kind of remark mm-hmm. how did that land for you was that, that, that because to me that was kind of like that's new territory for aaron Rodgers. where yeah. oh we're also into that realm yeah. of conspiracy theory uh well you know i i aaron has been i would say um saying a lot of kind of uh wild things this year and so <laughs> yes. uh, i was really kind of interested to see <laughs> if he would expand on some of that and just how mm. far uh, some of those feelings went. And so I wrote him an email, uh, you know, in, during the Packers bye week for the playoffs and said, you know, here's uh here's 10 questions that I hope kind of pique your intellectual interest and um, been working on this story about you. I'd love to talk to you. Obviously I don't expect this to happen, but you know, if anything here strikes your interest, would love to chat with you. And to my surprise, he said, yes. And so Uh, We did talk some very little football, really kind of just a lot about how he felt that he'd been perceived, his feelings in general about the kind of wild, wild west of the internet, about who's allowed to sort of talk uh, shit uh, to people and who and what kind of response that should be. And one of the things that I had was really interested in was he had recommended on Instagram, like on New Year's Day, this Joe Rogan podcast with this controversial Mm. virologist, uh, Dr. Robert Malone, who 
says a lot of things, kind of some of the stuff about how we're slipping into like nerd Germany in the 1920s and 1930s. And Ah, uh, we're, we're all, you know, it's mass formation psychosis. And Rogers had Ah. sort of said, uh, this is three hours you will not regret. And so, (laughs) (laughs) so being a, a, you know, a reporter wanted to do his homework. I listened to three hours of Joe Rogan. Honestly, I'm going to be frank is the first three hours of Rogan that I've consumed in my life. Uh, And so I, you know, I tried really hard to listen to this with an open mind. I explained this to Aaron too. He 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 really a little bit kind of felt like I was trying to fight or that he he wanted to fight. He wanted he thought I was doing a hit piece. Sure. And yeah, yeah. I kept sort of saying, you know, listen, I'm I'm trying to sort of hear what you think that you're you're trying to get across with these this is sort of cryptic. What and so that was kind of part of that long rant. And he said uh, the reason I, I kind of quoted it the whole thing at length in the piece because I really wanted you to get a sense of what Aaron Rodgers sounds like when he is on one. And that's why uh, I think that was part of it. And I think mostly what I came to understand and what I think is reflected in the entirety of the piece is that Aaron Rodgers was real big mad when Joe Biden made a comment about Aaron Rodgers uh, while touring (laughs) the tornado ravaged uh, cities in Kentucky. And there was a woman in a Packers jacket there and Biden in his sort of Biden way said, you know, you need to tell that quarterback to get the vaccine in a a sort of folksy, jokey way. And Aaron did not like this. (laughs) And so uh, in kind of line with a lot of his, you know, no one gets to to talk about me without me getting to clap back at them uh, ethos this year. He sort of basically said that, you know, Biden was a horrendous public speaker. He couldn't imagine, you know, how he had, you know, these 81 million constituents. But I guess he got that many votes. (laughs) Uh, And I, I don't know that I feel like super comfortable explaining why Aaron Rodgers said that, but um, that was definitely, it was sort of, I think in line with how he feels about in general, anyone who sort of uh, says something about him that he does not appreciate, he's going to come back at you and maybe hurt you in a way that uh, makes things feel equal. So. Well, that's interesting because, you know, having said all of that, because yes, all of that was going on during the season and Rodgers is still probably one of the odds favorites to win his fourth NFL MVP award mm-hmm. this season. So I'm curious. I know the awards at the end of the year are given to athletes based on their performance on the court, on the field, wherever it is. But do you think that, I mean, I know we're in this empowered athlete age. Do you think that things that happen off the field could affect Aaron Rodgers with his MVP this year? Or that's just it's football and what happens on the field happens on the field. I do not think that it is going to have any effect on the MVP vote. I think that the mo- for the most part that football people sort of put aside, uh, you know, the things that you say versus the things that you do. Um, it would be interesting, I suppose, if the vote were like a postseason, you know, after it came after the postseason. I'm pretty sure the votes had to be all in like before this interview dropped, before he played how he did against the 49ers. I personally feel like, you know, if I were an AP voter, I would not factor that stuff in. Aaron this year, again, got really upset when someone who was an AP voter went on uh, the radio, um, Hub Akush and a guy who is the founder of Pro Football uh, Focus. And he said essentially like that, you know, Rogers was a jerk. He wasn't going to vote for him. And Rogers was so like he, he kind of, again, was off the chain in terms of his answer. He was basically like, 
that guy doesn't know me. That guy's a bum. Uh, wow. Absolutely. You know, he's trash. He should lose his, you know, his vote or, you know, he wants to make it the most vaccinated valuable player as opposed to the most valuable player. Uh, he's never met me, whatever. And in part that actually inspired me to make sure that I wrote Aaron Rodgers and said, you know, if I'm going to write about you, I'd really want to talk to you because part of his rant was, you don't know me. You've never met me. You've never done an interview with me. And so I was like, well, you know, I want to make sure that you have your chance to to weigh in. If mm-hmm. you want to do yeah. this interview, you can. And, um, and then he did. I guess this is kind of a process question a little bit, but how do you, how do you approach interviewing, conversing with a subject who appears to be operating from like a different set of facts? Like for instance, if I was to go to Aaron Rodgers and go, actually, you know, like you completed uh, 35% of your uh, passes mm-hmm. the other day versus the 49ers, not 70 as the, as they said on the, on the broadcast. And in fact, you had uh, 130 yards, not 225 yards. Mm-hmm. Those are all those facts are wrong yep. that are, that were put up on the Chiron. Those are all false. And your QB rating in fact was 11, not 20 or whatever. How do you have that discussion with a person that comes at you like that? How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers' views, I think, on cancel culture or on, uh, you know, whether he was telling the truth about holding up Atlas Shrugged or whatever, those are all things that I think you can sort of say, look, you're, sure. those are your opinion. You are going to be able to sort of, you know, Aaron Rodgers' big thing, I think, is, you know, why can't we just hear both sides of the debate and then people can decide? So part right. of this was us saying, all right, well, if you want to hear pure, uncut Aaron Rodgers, this is what it sounds like. When he was dishonest about the science of things, like when he tried to sort of use the, in the there's a part of Long Rant said, well, you know, 75% of people who died of COVID had comorbidities, which is not accurate. It's not what the actual CDC study said. Uh, it said that, you know, of the 1.2 million people who were vaccinated, uh, that 38 people died and 26 of those had at least four comorbidities. And so we put an editor's note in that, in the story. And was like, you know, we're going to make sure that this is clear to, uh, you know, when Aaron is sort of saying that there's a massive conspiracy about between big tech and big pharma to shadow ban people. I don't know that that's the kind of thing where, you know, I'm going to get into it and be like, well, actually there's not a huge cover. I mean, I think that speaks for itself that to sort of say, Look, you want to say this, you know, you can go ahead and say mm-hmm. it and and people can I think hear how sort of sort of strange and it sounds uh in that moment like when he's sort of saying that you know the CDC 75% of the thing says this it's a little bit tough to sort of fact check it in the moment we you know had a little bit where I was like you know I just don't I don't know that that is actually what the um you know the podcast is suggesting or the facts are suggesting but in the sort of editing process in the discussion of the story, we're going to make sure that that's clear. You know, I was very adamant we needed to to have a virologist sort of quoted in the story talking about the mm-hmm. larger impact of the pandemic. So she's the last person in the story to speak about vaccines and says, you know, even if, you know, Rogan and Rogers speak, you know, f- feel that this is about them, it's really about the larger context of what the you know, the pandemic is and why we're asking people to be vaccinated and this and that. Mm. There's little, I think, subtle hints throughout the story that it's like, hey, Aaron Rodgers wants to be heard and you guys get to sort of, you know, <laughs> hear it now. And and I just as long as he wasn't going to we're, we're going to let him go unchecked uh, about the facts. And I, that's I think that was super important. And I do totally agree with that. Like in the actual if you're going to lie about the science, 
Like we're going right. to have the science counterbalance it. But the the other stuff, that's look, your opinion gets to speak for itself in that sense. And that's what mm-hmm. I think it would be really sort of playing right into Aaron Rodgers's hands if we were like, well, we're just not going to you know, publish this. We're not going to talk about this. We're not going to give you this platform of disinformation because that's kind of what he wants in some ways. Right. He wants to right. be canceled so that he can kind of claim <laughs> that he's oppressed in the only place where he can have these views aired is on Rogan or on, uh, you know, the, the McAfee podcast where there's, you know, so I think that's what the way the story, it's sort of an origin story that shows you how some of these things came about and then kind of lets you see pure uncut Aaron Rodgers. So it's interesting, the 30,000 foot view Rogers <laughs> comes from Chico, California, a County where only 51% of its residents are considered fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Now, that can you just talk about that his community and how his upbringing could have affected some of his opinions and also you mentioned the pat show and he's on there every tuesday, tuesday yeah but he's silenced so where does that come from help me understand i'm sure. trying to understand here so uh i went to chico and hung out there for four days or so and talked to some people and I'll say first off, like I was probably one of the few people in Chico wearing a mask. Like you, you go into restaurants, mm-hmm. you go into anywhere, like there are not a lot of mask wearing. There's, I think there's a lot of things that basically say like, Hey, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask, whatever. And everyone kind of ignores all of it. Uh, and I think, you know, that was eye opening. It's been a while since Aaron was there, but help talking to like his junior college coach who he was still close to and literally like he hung out with at the 49ers game uh, the first time earlier this year after the game, he gave me some pretty good, you know, insights into what Chico is like. Aaron Rodgers, dad is a chiropractor, a still active chiropractor in town. I think, you know, as you guys probably understand, chiropractors have been, I don't want to say like entirely, but <laughs> mostly against kind of the uh, vaccination stuff. They're, they're very big. Uh, chiropractic uh, right now is one of the main beneficiaries of social media. Yeah. I like there are chiropractor stars sure. on social media. Right and now. Aaron Rodgers' dad is often on social media, like every you know day, basically railing against the vaccine, railing against liberal brainwashed idiots oh, who are destroying okay. their organs. So now, even though Aaron and his uh, family are, have um, you know have, there's a rift between them, they, they kind of haven't. Uh, spoken in many years for reasons that they won't really go into. Part of it is, and and he's talked about this essentially, like is that he he grew up in a very religious upbringing, and he sort of drifted away from that and decided that he was much more spiritual than religious. He didn't like the kind of dogmatic ways. The, the interesting thing that's really kind of hard to like get people to understand is like to Aaron's family, Aaron was kind of the woke mob. Like he he was the person oh, wow. who like left Chico, like he was sticking up for Kaepernick. Like he was someone you remember during the, I think it was a lions game where they were playing the national anthem and someone, you know, shouted something anti-Muslim and Aaron made a big point after the game to sort of, you know, say that that's not what we represent. It's not America, whatever. And so Aaron's kind of rebelled against a lot of things in his life. And it's something like anytime someone tries to kind of grab onto him and make them their, sort of, you know, standard bearer, he kind of bucks against that. And so some of this sort of story was kind of trying to explain that aspect of it. And I think one of the things that I wanted to like be subtle about in the story, we mentioned before, Renee is like, 
the whole like I'm being canceled. Like I thought it was sort of fairly funny and obvious that like you can't be canceled for saying something <laughs> on ESPN and then you're ranting about it to ESPN. Mm-hmm. I was sort of joking with friends that like the people who didn't see that or get that to me were like the people who watched like don't don't look up and are like, you know, this is about climate change. Like you don't <laughs> there are some things that kind of are just understood. And that's how I felt maybe in the story um, was that like how silly it is to rant about being canceled in a 6,500 word story. That's all about you and your views. And so I wanted that to kind of come across too. And and so that's why I think it was sort of funny that, you know, the few people who were critics of the story thought it was like, Oh, it's this endorsement of Aaron Rodgers views. It's like, no, it's kind of like pointing out like how like hypocritical in some ways, but still letting him have his moment to sort of share, you know, show who he truly is. How do you this again, kind of a process question, mm-hmm. but I think as as disinformation and kind of bad sources of information become, a, you know, increasingly a ever present influence on public discourse, like how how exactly does a society try and fight against that? Like wh- what what can be done? Like, I, you know, there's some voices that say, well, just even kind of platforming these like bad opinions is in a sense spreading them. Mm-hmm. Others say, well, you've got to shoot them down. You got to shoot them down with facts. And then you get into the thing of, okay, who who uh, is going to take what source of facts as actually authentic and authoritative? How do we fight against this? Because these are conversations I think that are only going to keep happening. Yeah. It's a great question, Jason. It's it's probably one that you could do ten podcasts on just in that alone. Yeah, I uh, hope you guys do in the future. I'm not a like a deplatforming kind of person. I, I would probably draw the line mm-hmm. at like overthrowing the government uh, with violent mobs. That was where I'd say that <laughs> you've lost your right. But I think that uh, you know one of the ways to sort of uh, really show how absurd some of these kind of views are is to shine a light on them and say like look at how i mean within this story hopefully what comes across is that like aaron Rodgers has all these crazy views and he's acted very petty and he's acted sort of like kind of vindictive to his people like anytime someone hurts his feelings like he's lashing out at them and and sort of he's kind of i think on someone who's been a little bit radicalized by online in the last year Mm. you know pandemic stuff and so i think that it's important to shoot down like when people misrepresent facts for sure. And that's what I think we try to do within the story. Uh, And to, you know, make sure that I I think it can be a super condescending view. And some people, uh, you know, who share my politics feel this way that, Oh, well people like can't make they we shouldn't air their views because people can't like make up their own mind. You know, like I, to me, like you hear these things and it's pretty clear who Aaron Rodgers is. And I think that should be, the choice that we leave up to people. I, I really reject the idea of journalism. That's basically like saying, well, I had a, a couple of like history professors in my DMS to be say, say this week, uh, ESPN readers are too dumb to get this. Like you could write this story for the New Yorker or the Atlantic, and that would be a better platform for this, but th- you can't do this on ESPN okay. because they won't get it. And I was like, well, <laughs> what a way to like prove Aaron Rodgers's point. Basically we're right. going to condescend to everyone and say like, we can't hear Aaron Rodgers because some people will misrepresent it. I, the majority of the people who read the piece, for at least from my social media stuff, were like, wow, this dude is out there. And I think that is the, the, the sort of way that you know we wanted to kind of write it and say, hey, like giving him his chance to, to speak his views. Because obviously, if like one of the most high profile athletes in, in the country is, I think, flirting with like election conspiracy, that's that's kind of news. And I think I'd rather know that than not. 
You know, well, I agree. I think if you silence people, it'll cause a whole nother rift. But I'm curious. Right. It's been since 2009 that Tom Brady nor Aaron Rodgers has been in the conference title game. So to get back to football mm-hmm. a little bit, we have the Niners and Rams and the Bengals and Chief in the conference titles games coming up this weekend. So any Super Bowl predictions? Mm. You know. Who's going to match up? Yeah. I think that Kyle Shanahan is such a good coach. Uh, he, I believe, has beaten uh, Sean McVay six times in a row. I think McVay won like three of the first four, and then Shani's won the last six. I think that like they're, the 49ers are just kind of built for the the rock fight that is the postseason. Yeah, and so like every time like Jimmy Garoppolo drops back, you think, wow, this is going to be pick six. Like, wow, this ball is... And somehow <laughs> like it isn't. He's just sort of able to to get the ball to where it kind of needs to go. And they, I think Mike McDaniel, the, the run coordinator in San Francisco is such an inventive, creative mind. Like I loved that play where they gave Debo Samuel the ball on third and seven and they, you know, they desperately needed to get a first down and here they are motioning Samuel from wide receiver into the backfield, then running a trap back towards that direction. Like, I, Whoa, I've never seen that kind of like <laughs> creativity and stuff. So I, I think San Francisco is going to pull off a uh, upset in that. And I, I can't, Kansas City has had like the quietest, like amazing year, like a Super Bowl contender. Imagine just because there's so much yeah. other stuff going on. And Pat with Holmes was like, basically like, yeah, I'm going to remind you all that I'm that dude uh, in the yeah. Bills game. You know, 13 seconds. That's enough for me. So I, I think I'd probably go <laughs> go Kansas City in, the, in that matchup. Well, as I I, uh, I was saying jokingly this weekend, don't let Jimmy Garoppolo hang around. And look what happened. <laughs> He's hung around. His name is Kevin Von Valkenberg. He's a senior writer at ESPN. He can catch his work at ESPN site or on Twitter at K Van Valkenberg at K Van Valkenberg. Kevin, thank you so much for joining Take Line. Yes, thank you. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. Your Space Coast vacation is preparing for liftoff. Start counting down now. 10, 9, 8, 7, it's time for a beach vacay that feels like heaven. 6, 5, 4, come explore Melbourne and the beaches. 3, 2, 1, it's time for some rocket-filled fun. Count down to your best beach vacation ever on Florida's Space Coast. Launch your planning now at visitspacecoast.com. In the California Road Trip Republic, we believe you take adventure for a ride. Whether coastal cruising, mountain motoring, or redwood roaming, discover beauty around every turn. Your California road trip can kick off from anywhere. Starting route. But it should always start at visitcalifornia.com. Then buckle up, crank those tunes, and ride with us in the California Road Trip Republic. Incredible sports weekend this past Woo! weekend. Uh, lots to talk about. Something that uh, is definitely going to be a topic of conversation going forward into the week uh, is uh, Grayson Allen, who uh, injured Alex Caruso by committing a hard foul on him during the uh, Bucks bulls game. Uh, it was, in my opinion, an egregious, uh, malicious move. Uh, that resulted in Caruso uh, missing what seems to be at this point four to six weeks. He's going to undergo surgery on his wrist. Uh, Renee, 
as a person who has played professional basketball on a professional basketball court, how did you view this play? And did you feel like the one-game suspension, which the NBA now has has come down on uh, Grayson Allen with, is it enough? Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. I think this is ridiculous. Um, I just, for me, I'm all about playing hard. I'm all about that try hard, you know, because nowadays sometimes it's like not cool to try hard. I'm all about the trying hard. If you look dumb trying hard, so be it. Like, that's just me. I don't care if I look dumb. I'm just going to try my best. So I'm all for that group. What Grayson Allen is doing, I'm just not with it. Like, I just the intentionality behind his movements and the intentionality behind how he plays and how he fouls. Look, I remember watching, or I might've even been calling it. I don't know, but it was a Hawks game. And I bet every team around the league could have the same story. Cause a lot of times I keep on hearing, you know, he has a pass from Duke and I'm like, what do you mean a pass from Duke? He has a pass from the NBA last year. Devil's advocate, like Bucks fans are all in my mentions right now, defending Grayson out. And they would tell you, hey, he's only got one previous flagrant uh, in the NBA. Like he's had a clean NBA record. That's what they will say. I mean, I know about like, you know, you're only guilty if they catch you. So I get that mindset. But I've also <laughs> been a player that's been on the court where I know that I've fouled and they haven't caught it. So it's not that just because it hasn't been called doesn't mean it's happened. Like I've been on the court and I've accidentally fouled somebody. The ref missed it. Well, then I guess I didn't foul him. That's the same theory and thought process is being used for Grayson Allen. But the stuff against Trey Young wasn't called a flagrant. But then when we watched it back, it's clearly intentional in how he was trying to use his feet to trip up Trey and you can see it. So it didn't get called. So to that, the you know, to the devil's advocate, if just because it's not getting called doesn't mean the behavior isn't still sustaining and living here. And I've watched it live. And then to watch it again, to your point about the one game suspension, no, sir. Like I, the fact that we watched it and we know that, you know, Crusoe ended up getting up and we thought it was going to be okay in the moment. But I have a real problem with that. You did a flagrant two, which shows that there was intentionality behind it. And then you got one game after injuring a dude and you said four to six, but I heard it could even take six to eight. Either way, yeah, wow. a minimum of four weeks, somebody. And then Caruso just got back. So I know that doesn't matter in the Grayson Allen idea of things, but it's just a crushing blow for an athlete. Grayson Allen's an athlete, so he should know. It's crushing that you finally get through all of your rehab, which is a nightmare. It's no fun. It's terrible. You get back on the court. You're so excited to be there. Look at what happened with Clay Thompson to get back on the court. He took two years, but it's such a triumphant moment to then get fouled flagrant two and be out again. No, no. I will say this. So I, I, a lot of uh, Bucks fans, and I get it. Listen, if I was a Bucks fan, I'd be defending my player too. But I think as a fan of the team, of the player that you are defending, maybe step back and realize like all these unattached people w without any dog in this fight right. are like, that was malicious. I've had lots of Bucks fans send me various other flagrant fouls that have happened over the course of the week. You know, a Kelly Oubre one, another, a Taylor Norton Tucker one. Here's the difference to me. One, those other uh, flagrants, those were those happened like in a crowd. There were other players. Around. It wasn't just, uh, you know, a one on one. With this foul, it was just Grayson and Caruso, mm -hmm. and it's the second move to me that is the move. With he already had Caruso's arm like locked up, like that that layup was not going up, yeah. right? And then Caruso starts to fall, and then he comes in with the second arm. It's that second swing to me, which is. 
unnecessary. Again, the, the layup is not going in. The ball's not going up. Right. There's not, not going to be an and one. He's not getting the shot up. It's over at that point. Yeah. But when you come in with the second arm, that's when it that's when it gets reckless to me. Now, as I mentioned, Bucks fans are also saying, well, you know, he's a clean record uh, since he since he's been in the NBA. People are taking his reputation to account, but that was in college. A different. I get it. I, I, I get what you're saying. We all want to live life feeling like the mistakes we make in college are just, <laughs> right. you know, like, you, but you have to distress. stop making them. I, I, I and I, I understand that. But I'll just say this, like. One, this is not a court of law where you're like, oh, that happened in a different jurisdiction. People are making the uh, the connection that Grayson Allen, while playing organized basketball, yes. was a reckless player who often fouled people and occasionally looked like he was doing it in a malicious way. And Grayson Allen doing this play, which seems to fall right in line with all the stuff he did, yes, in a different league, but still playing organized basketball. Basketball is basketball. We saw it. We watched it on TV. It was like, you know, it was during the it was during tournaments. It was happened in front of audiences. It happened. Um, I got to admit, I'm kind of shocked. I'm shocked at this because I just don't know how they're coming up with this anymore. Now, people might say, okay, Jokic only got a game and, and Markeith Morris hasn't played again. Yeah, uh, that's bad since too. he ran into his back. That's bad too. There, I, I would add that it, from my perspective, there were extenuating circumstances. I think Markeith instigated that a little bit. And we didn't know that Markeith was as hurt as he appears to be hurt, right? right. The, the, the injury news came right out. Like it was clear before the NBA came with the one-game suspension that Caruso needs surgery. You sent him to the surgery room, the operating room. It's got to be more than one game. It's wild to me. And here's the thing that I don't think I've ever seen before. The Bucks released a statement saying, we disagree with the suspension. We support Grayson and look forward to him rejoining our team wow. for Friday's game versus New York. I've seen where coaches say, hey, I know my player. He's not a bad guy. This is just something that happened. Or players say something similar. I don't think I've ever seen a team release a statement after their player injured another player. Like yeah, I, I've never I, seen. I this. mean, kudos to to Grayson because clearly his team loves him and his team backs him. And to right. the Bucks fans that are supporting him, yeah. A minimum though, you have to understand that this is a relapse. If you're saying, yeah, he's rehabilitated, he did that in college. Don't bring that to the pros. Then. Under that same thought process, this is a relapse because no matter if you agree or not, the refs called a flagrant two, which means a player has made both an unnecessary and excessive foul. And that's that's the problem here. So it's like, yeah, I don't I didn't go into the game for just for the Bucks fans. I didn't go into the game worried and thinking about Grayson being a flagrant two fouler or being a Duke hacker. It only came back to everyone's mental when these situations happen. So it's not like everyone's <laughs> following Grayson Allen around and like, there's that guy that fouls hard from Duke. I don't even recognize, like, I don't even pay Grayson Allen any mind unless he's scoring, shooting, passing, any other reason than any other basketball player. The reason that we're talking about it now is because Grayson Allen had a relapse. Let me zoom out for a bit because one thing that struck me in the Adam Silver post-bubble era is that, this NBA really doesn't want to suspend anybody, like at all. Um, LeBron James, some recent suspensions include LeBron James when he elbowed Isaiah Stewart. He got one game for that. I think, you know, I think there's a world where that's not like the distant past where you could imagine LeBron getting two to three for that. Isaiah Stewart then, uh -oh. like, Stewart. 
multiple times tried to charge LeBron James, like over the course of many minutes in, in, in various incidents that went from the court to behind the court to the hallway. Uh, he only, and that was two games, which yeah. again, I think that was pretty wild. That was yeah. only two games. Of course, uh, uh, Jokic got one game for running into uh, Markeith Morris's back. Uh, in the words of Marquise Morris, 300 pound uh, sloppy fat boy. That's, those are his words, not mine. Um, wow. Do you think that they, what is behind this? And do you think the NBA is just, why do they seemingly not want to really suspend anybody more than a game or two? I'm curious, you know, are they reading the same tweets we are and trying to have a tougher aspect I don't know and look I'm all for and I know back in the day in the 90s those guys would literally punch each other in the face like I like I actually know that but I still think that there's something different than you're looking a guy in the face and you want to start an altercation then if somebody jumps in the air and they're helpless and then you commit a bad foul did they do that back in the day Yes, they did. And if they hurt somebody and fractured somebody's wrist, I would have a problem with it then, too. I believe in, like, I've been on courts, you know, like, where people thought because I played organized basketball for different institutions that if I went to play a pickup game at the Y or a streetball game, people just assumed I'm soft because of where I played before. Oh, Mm. yeah, you're organizational basketball. And they would foul me hard and they would do different things. I don't really care about that. Like, I don't care if people foul me hard. I just care if people are playing dirty and the intentionality behind it. So it's like, we can be competitive and we can get after it. And you know what? I've caught a bow. I've knocked my tooth back. I've busted my lip. I've caught a bow. That happens. But to me, it's just always about intentionality. I don't think anybody I've played with has intentionally tried to hurt me, even when they've elbowed me and just playing wild and physical and they might have I might have caught a bow I don't think that in their mind they were like yeah I'm gonna pull you out of the air I'm gonna do something that could actually get me out for four to six weeks if they have okay I didn't feel it but that's just my problem it's like we're all athletes so at least even try to catch somebody as they fall that's that's like it's like help help each other like you might I've seen hard fouls where a guy holds them all the way to the ground and make sure that they fall hard but make sure that they don't make the and one as well there's a way to do both All right, so you know what time it is. I'm about to stop telling you guys. It's the time for buzzer beaters. This this is the stuff we couldn't get into the show because we ran out of time. Um, Jason, you may get it started. I'll get the party started. Yeah, go ahead. I want to start with my buzzer beater by shouting out Ayoka Lee, who scored a 61-piece nugget. And I want to just, like, that's, yeah, that's unreal. Previously, the record was 60, so she broke a whole NCAA record on the women's side. A 61-piece nugget, but the reason that I think it's so dope is because the unranked Kansas State Wildcats beat the number 14 Sooners 94-65. to So she didn't just get those buckets. You know, a lot of times when you see people's best scores ever or when somebody breaks a record, that team is playing against an unranked team. She was on the unranked team playing against a ranked team. And not only did she drop a 61-piece nugget, her field goal percentage was 23 of 30. So the efficiency was through the roof. It was unbelievable. So I got to shout out that. We love to see it with women's basketball. And then this past week, we launched MoCo. My family, Montgomery and Company, has a podcast. And we jumped to the number 44 in the sports category. So that was exciting stuff. So sports, this was a great 
great sports weekend all around. Jason, what you got? Listen, the, the, the discourse around the Knicks has been heated and it's, it's been contentious at times. But I'd like to do something positive. I'd like to shout out R.J. Barrett, who is growing, I feel like, before our eyes. 28 points, 6 assists. Come on now, six assists <laughs> last night uh, versus the Clippers in a end-to-end victory over the Clippers, a block. Uh, and I think more than that, like if you watch, as I do, as I did two times last night, watch the, the, just the RJ clips after watching the game, uh, he's doing it in different ways, in and out dribble, he's driving now uh, more confidently, layups in traffic, not just like the wide-open three-pointers, he's hitting those. Uh, he's seven for seven from the yeah. line, getting to the rim. You know, he's been the leader that they thought Julius Randle would be, actually. He's kind of emerged as that guy. I'm glad you said it. I, I was going to get there, but I'm glad that you, as an unbiased observer and as a person who has played professional basketball, said that because I feel like, you know, a, a lot of, the, again, a lot of the conversation around the Knicks is like, man, Julius is great, but really he's the secondary guy. Well, what if, what if we have the primary guy already. And what if it's RJ? And what if he develops into that? I I, uh, I think that there is no more important mission for the New York Knicks this season and for the next few seasons than developing RJ. And this uh, last few games, uh, really, ever since he banked in that three against the, the Boston Celtics. <laughs> that was wild. Uh, th- that was wild. It seemed to... He did have a 32-point game before that. But it, that... <laughs> shot in particular seemed to like i don't know jumpstart something ever since then he's he's he has been showing a few like flashes of things every game where you go man if that keeps happening that's a solid basketball player so rj barrett love to see him very excited about his development very excited about him what a great young man he is oh i mean you really are feeling the guy i still i'm excited oh listen i love it Look, I can feel your happiness from the screen, Jason. And I feel the same because we've won four in a row now with the Hawks. We made a trade. Cam Reddish went to the Knicks. We got Big road win. Big road win last night. But, you know, like everybody was waiting on this run. And I say it every time we talked about it. Everybody waits on the Hawks runs. And here it is again. We're on a four-game win streak. How long can they push it? This is like deja vu. Yeah. That's it for us. Follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode. Plus, my digital series, All Caps NBA, which airs every Friday. Check it out. Goodbye, folks. Ooh, ooh. Take Line is a crooked media production. Show is produced by Carlton Gillespie and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Our contributing producers are Caroline Reston, Elijah Cohn, and Jason Gallagher. Engineering, editing, and sound design by Sarah Gibble-Laska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. In the California Road Trip Republic, we believe you take adventure for a ride. Whether coastal cruising, mountain motoring, or redwood roaming. Discover beauty around every turn. Your California road trip can kick off from anywhere. Starting route. But it should always start at visitcalifornia.com. Then buckle up, crank those tunes, and ride with us in the California Road Trip Republic.
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes.